by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Are we not entertained? How is that? How is that for a super Sunday on this superb owl kind of day? Welcome back, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. I know people probably have plans. I have a lot of plans. All my friends are just out of view here, so I'm going to go join a party in a minute. But uh, hey, that was a fun game. We saw a lot of cool things. We have a lot of things to get through. We have a very special guest. Actually, one of, one of my favorite people in hockey, not just because... He's an excellent skills coach. Uh, he's just a genuinely great guy. So we have Tim Turk, uh, shooting guru. Ask any NHL player, they'll mention Tim Turk. Just with the Canadians, he's worked with Pacioretty, you know, Gallagher, and Kirby Doc. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw the picture on Twitter there, but that's uh, when he was with Gallagher, his shoulder was a little lower. But with Doc, he's got to, you know, bring it up. But either way, um, very intelligent man, and he's got all the expertise that a team like the Montreal Canadiens need because they need shooting talent. So we're going to get into that in just one moment. Salut tout le monde. Hi, King of the North. Hi, Miss Epica. Trizak. Kay is here, always. Claire, I'm assuming, is here. But I just want to say hi to everybody and thank you so much for joining us. The Canadians win 6-2. Raphael Harvey-Pinard. What a story. Uh, and, and how about that work from Kirby Doc? We're going to talk about that trade because it's starting to become apparent. Kirby Doc is the guy that the Canadians thought Kotkinemi could be. And I'm not trying to trash Kotkinemi, but... You know, you wanted a big guy standing in front, making space, tipping pucks, you know, little, little bit of a mean side, which we've seen some Kirby. So it has been fantastic. Ooh, hello. Hi, Dave, Dave Foulain. Is it Dave Foulain? No, Dave Foulain wasn't born in 93. Unless, was that the year that he won his uh, <laughs> Selkie? Either way. Hi, Claire. How's it going? Uh, Ramelli, how's it going? Good to see you back too. Let's go ahead and get through our sponsors here, our fantastic sponsors, the reason we're all here. We're going to do that and then we're going to bring Tim in in just one moment. So if you have any questions about shooting, because really, I, I okay, I'm going to, I'll stop rambling, then I'll bring in, I'll bring in Tim. I'm just too excited. All right, wanna bet? You can do it. Oh, sorry. Give me one second here. We're going to restart because I didn't actually do that properly. Aha. Want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. We all know there is a pretty big football game today. Uh, the NHL season is in full swing. So with Sports Interaction, you can bet pregame, live in play, and there's also a ton of prop bets. So it's made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash, uh, slash SDPN. That's sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Ontario only, 19 plus, please play responsibly. All right, we're going to go ahead and bring in Tim, who's been very patient and is always, always fun to talk to. Mr. Tim Turk, how's it going, Turkey? Do me, holy smokes. Uh, you know what? The first thing that comes to mind is how... Are you not on the radio with a voice like that? Well, I, it's it's because that I don't stop talking, and then eventually they have to kick me out. That's the issue. Yeah. <laughs> your throat your throat gets so dry, you start spitting sparks. I'm not joking. I bring in multiple liquids when I when I do these things, but uh, no, a the, the trick is to smoke since you're 12 years old. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, man? I, I can't can't thank you enough for having me. Um, you know, giving giving knowledge to to anyone out there, or, or just just to answer questions uh, so that we can clear some minds is, is, uh, is what this is all about. No, exactly. And, and and Tim, it's it's because when I spoke to you, for those that didn't have a chance to read it, when I was with the Canadians, Tim spent a lot of time explaining to me why Cole Caulfield was so excellent. And this was before Cole Caulfield really hit his breakout. You know, uh, he, there was actually criticism, but you were talking about 
just the way he was holding the puck, where he was hiding it, how he was shooting from the hip. And it was one of the most fascinating discussions I've ever had because I was learning so much. Not that I wasn't an elite goal scorer, Tim. I won the Gloucester Ball Hockey Scoring Championship two years in a row in 1994 and 1995. <laughs> but um, let's let's and we're gonna get some questions from the the fans here. But where are you right now? You're you're out east, right? Yeah. Well, you know, ironically, I met I met Dan Lacroix when he was in the uh, affiliate organization for the Habs okay. in Hamilton in the A League. Uh, when Guy Boucher was coaching, and uh, we, we just, uh, all the coaches, you stick together. If you do a good job and and things, you know, to me, to me, you need to adapt to what the coaches are doing, mm-hmm. whether you're teaching skating or shooting. So so Coach Dan, uh, he brings me out here a couple of times a year to to work on the fine-tuning of shooting with his players, and and uh, I always look forward to, to working with uh, with anybody that, that wants help. Yeah, and for those that don't know, Dan Lacroix actually was a, um, I think the last job he had with the Canadians was assistant coach, right? In the uh, late 90s, yeah. was that it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. He, but he, uh, yeah, then he went on to, as we know, Tampa Bay Lightning, and and uh, and I, well, he was with the Philadelphia Flyers. He's got some some really good stories. Uh, some of them we can share, some of them we can't. But, <laughs> but, uh, he, but, but he's a great, great uh, coach because, and one of the things about coaches nowadays, and and there's a fine line between a coach who wants to give ownership up to someone else based on what they cannot do with their knowledge or what they cannot teach. And Dan's one of those coaches who's like, hey, I can't teach him how to skate, can't teach him how to shoot. I know what my systems are, what my tactics are, but I need someone to come in and make them do what they need to do when they're in a situation that I need to put so, them into. So bringing in experts, yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. And that's... Uh, you know, to me, it's a breath of fresh air because there are some coaches out there who are like, you know, like, hey, this is, I got my plan, I got my team, and this is what we're going to do, and I'm going to sink or swim. Yeah. But uh, most of the coaches now are evolving, so that's good. Well, they do, okay, Trizak, we, someone in our chat wants to know, if you can't help him take a shot, can you help him shoot his shot on his crush? So do you have any dating tips related to hockey there, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, make sure you have a deep wallet. But, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding about that. Yeah, no, I can't help with dating. No, that's, man, that's like, that was like even more than 30 years ago for me. So then that's what you'd have to bring an expert in, right? That's, that, that's what Ab- you do. Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll get to, um, to, to Kirby Doc in, in just one moment, but can you kind of explain to the people in the chat what, like, what your job is per se? Now, I know that teams bring you in. You've worked with just a ton of NHL players. One of my favorite shooters, Pacioretty. Uh, what do you do when they bring them in? Is it just they give you carte blanche to kind of do what they want, or do they get you to, 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 to kind of fulfill a certain assignment? Kind of all of the above, but mo- mostly what will happen is that nowadays analytics are big. So, you know, the mm-hmm. video the video doesn't lie. And when these players get into certain habitual patterns and, and they get into situations, they choose to do things. And one of my jobs is to not only not just teach or fine-tune or modify what they do and how they think, but it's also to let them know what they do well. Okay. And that's one of the – when you bring up Pacioretty, Pacioretty's release. I mean, he, he – He's like, he's got one of the most, people don't understand this. He's got, when you pick up snow off the ground and you do this to it, you're compacting and, and you're kind of condensing things. And, and Patch Reddy, he doesn't have to do that with his puck when he's taking a shot. It's already condensed. It's such a small, compact area. His hands like are so, like the quick twitch muscle fibers and the wrist action that he has. Like you said uh, in, in the uh, intro, it comes off his hip, so it's hard for goalies to read. Yeah, well, and that's something that we're seeing from guys like Cole Caulfield. Now, can you explain 
what you meant because at one point you essentially said he was a gunslinger right you talked yeah. about cole caulfield you know shooting off the hip so what does that mean really in the actual action of shooting so partly there's a lot of different criteria but one of the main ones to to help everybody understand is the puck position versus where it is in the body position so let's say these are the feet here mm -hmm. and if the puck's way way out wide then the arm is out wide okay. so when the arm's out wide it's like a it's like a trigger or or it, it telegraphs what's going to happen when goalies you're giving away your shot yeah so the, exactly and the closer the biscuit or the puck is to the body the tighter your arms are so when your arms are in tight it camouflages the motion patterns camouflage so that's why I, I essentially call it like shooting from the hip because yep. You know, the closer it, it is to the hip, the more, yeah, the more camouflaged it is. Which is something that we're seeing with all the young players these days. You know, even there's the Canadians have a prospect called Sean Farrell, and he does that too. We're almost, it used to be the elite guys, right? The Austin Matthews that could do that, the Connor. But we're seeing it, it's a lot more common. Do you think the young players now are just better shooters because there's more information out there? Absolutely. And, 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 I, and I feel like, you know, the more information we put out, the better it is for the for the young players who are, who are the shooters. But they also aspire, and when they see something that's really good and really positive and effective, they try to mimic that. So, for instance, you bring up Matthews, and everyone's like, "Yeah, hey, I want to shoot like Matthews." What a shot! No matter or or the the new up and coming. We know this new up and coming person is uh, Connor is, is Connor Bedard, and and you know, I'm telling you, like I feel like the comparison between a an athlete like Matthews who is is completely, I want to say, fine tuned. He's mm -hmm. he's already set and Bernard is kind of like very similar to him uh, there's subtle changes and differences in what they do but he wants to aspire to be like him where i'm like splitting the word out saying you keep doing what you're doing so people will aspire to want to be like you as well mm -hmm. which is good but that's what they do that's good well i mean i remember speaking to caulfield before he got into the nhl and he was saying he was watching austin matthews and joe pavelski who's probably one of the most underrated shooters uh in in the nhl and so it just goes to show that he was the best shooter outside of the NHL and he was still studying, you know, he wanted, he knew that he had to get better. We have a question here from Kay, who's always in our chat. She's amazing. She wants to know, and I don't know if you've actually worked with him, but do you have any thoughts about Shea Weber's thunderous shot? Because to me, Shea Weber, he didn't have to extend it very high, but he still got so much thud out of it. And I, I, I don't know if you know what I mean, Turkey, when I say thud, you know, it's just that heavy, heavy thud when it hits the pad. So what, what, how would you describe Shea Weber's mechanism? Yeah, there's, there's two things that come to mind right away. And like, first, like Webby's one of those guys who he, he and another player in the old days, uh, Al McInnes, Mm -hmm. they, they they made me think of this this uh, this catchphrase and I say less load more explode so what happens is these guys now the bottom hand on a player's stick is a pushing one and that creates force the top hand is a pulling one and that creates quickness so players who are bottom hand dominant more pushing dominant create more force in the shot Players who are more of a top hand pulling action, that's more quickness and velocity related. Mm. So what we're trying to do, we're trying to get these players to meet in the middle. We want them to 50% push and 50% pull so that there's the deception and the power all and the quickness all combined together. But Shea Weber is that guy who has a big downward thud, mm. big downward force more than an, an upward pull. And that creates all this force into the puck. So it, it moves the goalie when it hits them. Yeah, well, or just goes right through him. It, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I always thought that the guy he was traded for, 
Um, P.K. Subban had, I mean, he had a thunderous shot, but he would crank it all the way to Trois-Rivières every time he'd shoot. You know, it would go, it would go over his head almost Pavel Bure style. We're not seeing a lot of that these days. Eh? I, I can't, I can't remember the last time I saw an Al Ayafredi style, you know, crank, crank it up type move. Do you think the, the, the big, big, big clapper is on its way out? Uh, well, you know what? I do. I think the fully loaded one, like they're, the, I call it loading in ranges, you know, like low range, mid range to, to a full range, but an overloaded or an overrange when the hands go way up like that, you don't have time anymore in the game to do no. that. And that's the part of the game I feel is, uh, is diminishing is that time to get the, the ability to load so far away from the puck to try and feel like you're generating more power when you don't really need to. But I feel like the timing, like the evolution of the game, how fast it is. If you look at percentages, the do you remember do you remember last playoffs, last year in the Stanley Cup finals when Nathan McKinnon got a cross ice pass and like a like the old school Rick Five or Steve Shot across the blue, wind up and take a clapper. Yeah. So McKinnon gets a slap shot goal. I, I can't remember what game it was in. It was game three or game four or something like that. He gets his slap shot goal. The next day I'm on the ice with 10 and 12 year olds and the coach comes over and says, did you see that goal McKinnon got last night? And I'm like, yeah, I did. He goes, well, can you teach my 10 and 12 years olds how to take those slap shots? And I'm like, that's the only slap shot goal he's got. <laughs> you, know, you know, but, but everybody sees it on, everyone sees that a slap shot can go in. It was like one time and and like slap shots per game in motion, five on five or like just over 1%. That they actually go in. That they actually take one, do me. Oh, oh. They take one. It's geez. like shots taken, slap shots taken per game. It's just between 1% and 2%. Really? Wow. I, is, on, is that recent? Because I feel like 10, 20 years ago, it was closer to, you know, 5, 10% at least. Yeah. So it's it's the speed of the game. It's like it's the accuracy part. And there's so much different criteria now how the game's evolved. And all the listeners out there, you know, my, my job is to, if, if a player's favorite shot and they feel successful is some sort of impact slap shot or my job is to fine tune it. So it's just not so far. Like, like you brought up PK, like PK, I man, I've been working with him for years. And like, it's, it's just, it's kind of funny how high he cranks it. I'll admit, <laughs> but he yeah, gets velocity. He gets velocity on it. I kind of thought when he retired, he was, he was going to go get a job at an apple orchard. Like, <laughs> picking, picking apples, but I mean, you know, I'm kidding, but uh, that's just, that was his style. His style was, was to fully load up and uh, we had to try and fine tune that. And then he got to a good point and then, uh, and then uh, he left Montreal and then that's when all hell broke loose. Yeah. Well, there's um, another guy that we're seeing on the Canadians this year. I don't know if you had the chance to watch the Canadians very often or if you've worked with him or his brother, but Justin Barron, um, he's one of the few Canadians that can actually take a slap shot, but he does it so quickly, right? He's, I mean, Tim, he's shooting low. He's not shooting for a goal. I think that's, would that be more accurate to say the slap shot now is to lead to other scoring chances? Is that really its value? 100%. 100%. You know, like the one thing is anything that's, uh, if you if you look at dimensions on the rink and you take areas and you kind of divide them up like, like good coaches do, mm-hmm. anything that's above the uh, face-off circles and below the, the blue line, you know, if you're going to have a, cross ice lateral pass received to a slap shot or any type of shot release we got to make sure that you know we're not expecting it 
to go in. If you have a coach that's expecting a shot over the tops of the circles or whatever that is, you want to call it the low point mark. Yeah. There's a midway point mark and a top point mark where the players have their feet outside the blue and then they can still keep the puck inside and shoot. But I mean, if, we, if someone's expecting that shot to go in from there, we just want to get it through and then ha have a plan. If, if it's on net, on target, or yeah, you're strategic with it, you're going to get a second chance. So you're right. Uh, we want all those shots from far out, all those clappers to to hit the goalie and come back. For those that are just joining us, we're speaking with shooting guru Tim Turk, and he's one of the people I've learned the most from. Uh, just I've had a chance to speak to a lot of intelligent people in hockey, but Tim just it's it's the fine points with shooting, which is so important nowadays. So Tim's worked with uh, Patrick Gallagher and Kirby Doc, which we'll get to in just one moment. Uh, Kirby's been have, have having quite the season, but I want to talk about Miss Epica brings up. What about Connor McDavid? Let's say you get invited to the Oilers. Do you even do you just say hi, hi Connor, how's it going, and then go work with the other guys? Or, well, you know that would be a that'd be a nice reunion, you know, because uh, Connor Connor played for like, he played obviously always a year or two up uh, when mm -hmm. he was growing up, and that that minor hockey association, the, the Toronto Marlies out of the Toronto area, he was part of that organization. I've been with them for a long, long time, so I've seen him and. Been on the ice, been on the ice with him um, um, numerous times. But you know the funny thing about him is his his dynamic thought process and his cognitive um, thought processes and decision making and ability to do things with confidence is is unmatched. And what I mean by that is, you know, he knows that, and it, it was kind of similar to a guy named you remember Kobe Kovalev, not Kovalchuk, oh, yeah. Kovalev, yeah. You know the the puck the puck's this big, and it's and it's that thick. So Connor McDavid's like, there's no reason why I can't put it where I want to. It, it, it'll fit through a guy's tuck, his blade. If I gotta put it through there, I'm gonna do my best to, so I can get it on the other side and have an opportunity to 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 pr produce some sort of offensive output for my team or myself. So he's so confident with that while his feet are moving. Yeah, like, uh, it's, it's, think, it's that he does think, it in with speed, right? Going like it's it's there's a big difference between handling the puck, you know, stationary well, and doing it at 4,000 miles an hour. Yeah, exactly. And skating coaches are like they're looking at him going, he's not the way to look at when you're trying to do stride efficient skating, but he's the only person that could do that many crossovers laterally and keep laterally his going. Yeah. yeah, going linear laterally like. We make, sometimes we joke, some of us coaches are joking. I'm like, whenever I see him go, like, let's call it linear, but yeah. he's going lateral. He's cross, you know, everyone knows he crosses over. I'm like, I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the local grocery store. I'm going to grab a head of lettuce, a cucumber, some onions, and some mushrooms and whatever else, and throw them under McDavid's feet, and we're going to have a salad. Nice little salad. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's going to have a goal. Well, <laughs> that's the thing, score. is that he, he pulls it off. Was he yeah. that dominant at, like, 12 years old? Could, oh, yeah. yeah, you could tell eh, that it was generational oh, at yeah. that age. Yeah, yeah, he was like he, he was like Vaseline, like he wouldn't. No one could get him. He slithered through everything like like a grease pig was, out there, right? Eh? Yeah, like his head up, like his his vision, like and, and there's other players too. There's other players out there that have that kind of vision as well. But not, not too many though. I mean, I'd say Nathan McKinnon is maybe close to that in terms of yeah. speed and shooting. Yeah, they're, but they're doomy, they're focal points, like, you know, like this peripheral vision stuff and, mm -hmm. and the anticipation levels. You know, you focus on one thing doesn't mean you can't see this over here. But most people, when they focus on, on one thing and they feel like this thing over here is out of focus, it's not. Mm -hmm. Everything's in focus. So these guys know how to keep it in focus and, and use their, 
use their mind to change whatever they need to do that's going to help them out. Well, and I mean, the most important thing is the computer between both shoulders, right? So we all know the if they're smart, that always helps. We have, um, okay, yeah, the guest, Noel, our guest is actually Tim Turk. So he has worked with, we were just talking about Connor McDavid, worked with him when he was younger. Uh, and right, last summer, you were working with Kirby Doc, right? Tim, was that before the trade or after? So that picture, <laughs> that's, I knew we were going to get to that. Yeah. that. That picture was the day of. That was the okay. That was the day he got traded to Montreal. I don't care. Remember the date, but that was the yeah. He got traded that day. It was like uh, wasn't that the draft I, day? I, wasn't it draft day that it happened? I believe it was on the draft, wasn't it? Was not July first or something? Or, or that was close to that. Okay. It was cool. But I had I had him and a few other players on the ice, and his brother um, was on the ice as well. And uh, it's funny because you know like he went into the locker room, and then you know. It, all the phones start lighting up, you know, everything's going and like, I'm going, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You know, and we went, we went back out on the ice after they cleaned the ice. And I was like, well, he goes, Montreal, Turkey, here I come, <laughs> here I come. I'm going, you know, he's such a quiet kid. You know, he just wants to, all of this, everything that he does is on the ice. Like his examples of, to the other kids, like he didn't have to show up with, like, like he was an NHL bonafide player at 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's all these American League kids. His younger brother was there at training. And he's like, I'm coming to work on my shot with this guy. Hmm. And that's what he did. And he came. And I can tell you, like, the things, my my introduction to shooting is to have a good foundation. Like, yeah. what, what, your, what your body does before, during, and after a shot is sometimes more important than the location of the puck or the result of it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, what do I need to work on? I, well, a hip position and a shoulder position, everyone knows when your shoulders go back when you shoot, you know, your body's going to be unstable. It, yeah. So good shooters, in my opinion, look like they explode out of their chest. Mm -hmm. So I just got him to get his hips to go back, and he never shot with two feet on the ice. He was always a single-leg shooter. He was a now, <laughs> did you see Harris's... Someone someone mentioned it in the chat about Harris. They wanted us to bring up Harris too, yeah. <laughs> so his second goal, like I got a bunch of text messages. His second goal was was the actual formation that I introduced the players when I first worked with them because it's the most it's the most successful way to release a puck and produce offensive output. It's not the only way to, but it's the most successful way. So if you're a lefty, like we had talked about before, your left leg goes back. So he yeah. He, he shielded the puck. Like I saw, I only had like a six-second video. But he, he shielded the puck, dropped his left leg back, and, and released the puck off his hip all at the same time. Kind of like Austin Matthews does, but he did it in traffic against pressure. Which is just phenomenal. That's Which, I, I, phenomenal. Did, I did want to bring that up at one point, but my question is, should these defensemen, given that, for example, Harris scored two goals today, uh, the Canadians have actually been getting a little bit of offense from the back end, but their biggest issue has been the lack of offense uh, from the, the the blue line. Do you think that perhaps defensemen, since now they're they're activating a little more often, you know, they're uh, they have to produce more at, at five on five than they used to? Do you think they should uh, be working on their their shots a little more often as well? Yeah, I do, hundred percent. Every everyone should be, you know, and. And the funny thing is, um, you know, I don't mean to jump ahead of anything here, but go for it. But you know the the way your tool works. Like when we bring up Caulfield, mm -hmm. you know, his stick matches his technique so well. Some players, 
it's not about what their techniques doing. It's just could be a could be a a minor subtle curvature change, a lie change, a flex change, a height change, something like that. That that's going to help them to to build that confidence and flatten out the puck when it when it flies through the air. Yeah. You know, and, and when we throw a frisbee, you guys, we know if we throw a frisbee if it doesn't spin. It don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, like you're skipping a, a rock across the water. We got to get the puck to spin as tight as possible, as flat as possible, so it moves. And it just might be a stick thing. Your well, it's funny because it. I believe Cole Caulfield at one point of practice grabbed Mike Hoffman's stick, and he liked it so much that he kept. I believe that the chat will, will, will fix it if it wasn't Mike Hoffman. It was either Hoffman or Dadnov, and he's kept that stick ever since. And that's when he went on his heater to score all those goals. So. You know, it kind of sounds silly, but obviously it's the most important equipment they're working with. So, you know, I, I, I guess it's a matter of, of comfort or a lot of these guys, it's just because if they score with one, they're going to stick with it. But it shows how much he's scored, I think, 90% of his goals in the NHL since he switched his stick. So, you know, it, it goes. 100%. Yeah. Okay, question here from Trizak, actually. And we're going to, I want to talk about sticks in a little le- at, at length. We'll do that in the third segment about Doc. Um is there a difference how a player can or should shoot based on their size? So we have a guy, for example, you're looking at um, Uri Slavkovsky, fantastic shot. He could he could shoot a little more often. Um, would he have that same type of mechanism if he was five foot six? Uh, yes, he would. Yeah, every oh. every so every player every player that's out there is like a fingerprint. So where where the puck starts, where their hands positioning, it could be modified and it could be fine tuned a little bit. But the action of their actual hand. So you know what happened when the, when the puck's being transitioned or shot. I'm not talking a, a snapper or a clapper. I'm talking like about a, a transitional shot, quick release, like a push, like a somewhat of an old school wrister or a combination of a wrist and a snap, an angle change. But usually the blade starts over the puck, and somewhere, somewhere, however long it takes for them to shoot it, whatever the distance is, it's different for everybody. Sure. The blade goes under the puck, and then it goes back over the puck again. And everyone does that at a different place in a different. Is that why we're getting wobbles and shots, or is that? Uh... Yes, oh. yeah, because because what happens is maybe maybe the puck is too far up on the toe prior to them getting back over it again, so they need to open the toe up on the curve or something like that. But when a puck is wobbling, and and the other thing could be this. But while I'm thinking about it, you know, like guys like us, we'll take a couple of really good shots, and then we'll take the same shot again, and it was an awful one, but it was the same one. We're wondering what the. F- <laughs> I just did the same shot. It's because your hand, your bottom just hand on, on the shaft. Yeah. yeah, you just move it like a like two millimeters, and it makes a difference in the way the kick sticks and or, or the stick kicks and yeah. all that kind of well, stuff. Well, it's physics, right? So, I mean, yeah, it's consistency. I have a question for you. Speaking about, I brought up Slavkovsky. Um, he didn't have tape when he came into the NHL. Now I know guys used to be obsessive about their tape. That's they'd spend their, you know, they'd laugh at guys that that weren't. But how much of an impact does it make on the shot itself, Tim? I, I think it's important for passing and, and you know to get a little bit of grip. But on an actual shot, is it important to have a nice tape job? Yeah, my personal opinion is, uh, however much space the puck moves on the blade prior to it leaving the blade it needs to have a consistent feel okay so you know there's some players that have tape on the toe and then the puck will start closer to the heel and it's a little bit of a different it's a different friction 
and then it gets to the tape and the tape grabs the puck because there's little ridges on on the on the face of it on the edge mm -hmm. and then it does something different so it needs to be continuous in my opinion needs to be continuous got to feel the same from the start to the finish mm -hmm. so that's what you're noticing in these shots where sometimes they're wobbly they don't spin as much and and that's because of the tape job but then you know like not every player tapes their stick the same it's like no. we don't all go to the same guy to get our hair cut you know we all have our own way of doing things so what they do with their stick is up to them i just encourage them to make sure they keep it as consistent as possible so the puck doesn't have any changes on there like there's tape here no tape tape no tape or and then the other thing i'm just doing an article on white tape versus black tape yeah you know, like in, in the old days. Because in the in day, the you would take you would take the puck and you would actually darken your white tape there, right? A little bit before you'd go out. Yeah, or or you use black because you want to camouflage mm -hmm. it. But 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 now nowadays, do we like the things happen so fast? It like the tape doesn't make a difference in the way you're going to score. It's not going to hide anything anymore because it happens so quickly. In the older days, when the sweeping motions, the there's so much more space. They're reaching way back. It might be a little bit different. Uh, but now, now there's like there's no change at all with that. I, I feel like it's a personal thing. What you do with the butt end of your stick, what you do along your shaft, and what you do on the blade is all up to you. Mm -hmm. um, now, and again, I'm gonna we're gonna jump into Kirby Dogs in the next segment. But I I have a question for you. My answer is obviously Ally Afraidy, But who, which player back in the day would have been destroying goalies with these lightweight sticks, with these two ounce sticks? Or am I wrong? Because a guy like Al McInnes would have destroyed every single stick every single time he took a shot. Yeah, you know it's funny because I, I love I love these questions. You know, like it, to me, it doesn't matter if it's a piece of wood, a composite, a graphite, nanotechnology, a piece of metal, or whatever. But everything is everything's like you're adjust to what you're using. And mm. and to me, it's like wood offers more energy on rubber than composite or graphite yep. does. Yeah. But it only does it once. Mm. So you know, like McKinnis could go out and take his hardest shot ever, but then that's it. He's done. That's, you can still use a stick, oh, yeah. but he's not going to get, not going to get the same energy out of it when he tries to do his hard shot. Well, especially again. with the 40 cross checks he gets in right after, you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Especially if you're getting away. But, uh, but to me, to me, the sticks, like everyone has an adjustment, you know, the old school guys are like, ah, oh, we got to get our guys wood sticks because they can feel it more, mm -hmm. but everything can be felt. It's just a, to me, it's a transition of what's being done and how your stick has to be right for you. You got to be able to flex at a certain rate for certain types of shots. And there's players nowadays that are minimizing their flexes. Like they're yeah. going from 75 to 70 because they don't want to change their hands when they're taking shots. There's no time. Okay. So they want to be able to get a good result with their hand in one position nowadays. You know, when they do decide to shoot, doesn't mean they keep their hand in the same spot when they're maneuvering. But when they do decide to shoot, they want to keep them close. So all these, all these flex and kick point technologies are all starting to hybrid themselves. or low kick, mid kick, high kick combination and stiff blade, soft blade. So what what you do and what your tendencies are need to match your stick. And that's why that's where I come in in some points to to help these. But Gallagher is a good point. Yeah. You know, we added some stuff on his toe and Bedard. We were. We were doing some stuff with his pattern to to kind of close down the. Are you telling me you you made Bedard's shot better? Come on, that's not fair for the rest of the league, there, uh, Turkey. <laughs> yeah, you know he's 
he but that his work ethic and his uh mm-hmm. you know his his attitude to succeed and how he presents himself is uh again it goes unmatched and yeah. you know when yeah. you're when you're when you're acting like you want to be better every single day than everyone else around you wants to as well and, and you go down the list of the, some of the most elite athletes of all time and it's guys that were number one at their position but kept fighting to stay number one and it just going back to caulfield back in the day when he was studying all this tape he was breaking ncaa records but he i remember him telling me I know that not all these goals will will score against NHL goalies. So I have to watch tape and figure out. To me, that was like, he's essentially being a hockey nerd and that's what you need to be. So you go to guys like Patrick Roy, he was the best, but he kept fighting to be the best. Same thing with Tom Brady and, and you know, Michael Jordan. So it, it really is, I know it's kind of cliche, but to, to, to be the best, you got to stay the best and you got to work as hard as you did to get there, right? So let's talk about Kirby Doc because... Turkey, this has been just a fun, fun, fun reclamation project. I think, honestly, he was a little hurt by the trade from Chicago. I feel like, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's never fun to get traded, but I feel like he had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder this year. And we're seeing it. He's a little more angry. He's a little more intense. So um, what are you seeing in his from now to when he entered the league? What's the biggest difference with Doc? Is it opportunity? Is he just kind of coming into his own? I, I think it's a I think it's a combination of everything above and but but he realizes you know in the situation that he's in right now you know like being a hab it, it takes a lot of work on on a, a more positive side than anything you have to you know you have to first of all you got Brendan Gallagher in that room you know and and he's a he's the guy Brendan Gallagher's the guy when you and I don't mean to deflect off of Kirby for no, a second here but. But 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 Galley was the guy that was like you know what was he was he a fourth rounder fifth round fifth, he was a the Vancouver rounder. Canucks didn't even go to watch a game and he was playing with the Vancouver Giants but so F U C K yeah now, basically yeah well, they just didn't give it yeah 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 no and and if, so he I rem, I'll never forget like he he I'm sitting down with him and I'm like hey man like uh, you know this is your second year he goes Turkey he goes he goes you know like I I feel like. I feel like I worked my ass off to sit in this lounge. Mm-hmm. I worked my ass, but you know what? Now that I'm here, guess what? I got to keep working. I got to work more. I got to work harder just to stay. Yeah. I, I, and, and that's what his attitude is. And I think he pushes that on, you know, to, to a lot of players that come into that locker room. It's like, hey, man, like you're turning your your actual routine, you're turning your routine of doing things to to stay in the NHL and, and you're turning it into a ritual because you're watching a guy like Brendan Gallagher. And that's what Kirby Doc does. That's what these young players are doing. They're looking at these these guys are saying, well, what does it take to be successful? But then they have, they have, like they are wired so that they know that, hey, I want to, I got to maintain what I have and I have to improve myself. Hmm. So I'm going to go to skating coach. I'm going to go to shooting coach. I better go do yoga so I have my flexibility and whatever else the, the team is planning for these young players. And it's not just about doing it off the ice to on the ice. It's, it's, it's in their street clothes. Everything they do is, you know, they're under a microscope. And these guys and Kirby Doc's like, I, I need that pressure because I, I want that mm-hmm. because I can succeed at that. Like, he, look at, look at, I saw a video from um, Pizzetta. Oh, God. Like, yeah. Pez, See him work today to get the puck. <laughs> Did you? And I'll tell you this right now, um, uh, Turks. Uh, I w- covered the Laval Rocket a lot, and he was actually Joel Bouchard. Everyone gave 
Joel Bouchard credit for Pizzetta. That's not true. Pizzetta would show up first at practice and he worked his ass off. He was last off the rink and he never got his opportunities. They kept going down, but he stuck with it. And even three years into the AHL and he's thinking, maybe I have to change my career. And I mean, he, he honestly mentioned it at one point. I didn't print it, but he said, I, I, I can't give up because I've worked so damn hard to get here. And that's the only reason he's in the NHL, right? Because, and he's got to put that out there, his work. And we saw it today with Raphael Arvipinard, with Alex Belzil. It's that work ethic that, you know, the, the, the hardest thing, though, is, is not wanting to give up. Did Kirby ever hit that point where he's like, man, am I doing something wrong here? Did you feel like he was kind of, you know, disappointed in himself when he was in Chicago? Yeah, no, I don't. Not at all. Do me like I, I felt. Well, like, he was twenty years uh, old, like right? He, I feel like they gave up on him way too quickly. Yeah, that that, that you know, if I'm going to go on record, I felt <laughs> that without even saying with him saying that, I felt that's what he felt like, and and it, obviously it was a disappointment because his younger brother is there. Yeah, well, yeah, they you just mentioned that I mean? in the chat. Uh, he had just just got drafted, right? So yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they, you know, they were looking forward to something. That's okay. He'll have to come to Montreal. That's fine. There's plenty of space here. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. You know, and 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 so when I look at the definition of perseverance, mm -hmm. you know, I got a list of players here from from the rosters in the game, the game that we just watched. Yeah. No, I didn't watch it, but you know, you got so listen. To, so here's and and I I'm biased because the players that I'm going to list are players that I've had the opportunity to work with. Go so you it. got Josh Anderson, mm -hmm. you got Docker, you got Devo. Right? Yeah. You got Galley. Well, Galley didn't play, but you know, and you got Pizzetta and Gooley didn't play. Gooley's another kid. Oh, you've worked you with Caden? Good kid, too. He's, when we're talking about guys that love to win, oh, he's obsessed oh, with winning. Yeah. And then on the other side, you got Bush, you know, you got Fogel, I got CC, Kulak, Broberg, Nurse, you know, like, and these guys. So you worked with about half the players today. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm the most blessed person in the world, but, you know, they come. It's not about teaching. It's about fine tuning. And these guys want it. They want it, or they're not coming. Yeah. You know, which is anyway. So I don't mean to deflect up with. No, no, no. Well, and again, obviously, you know, you work with NHL teams, so we don't want to throw any shade at any of them. But I just feel like, you know, when you heard things from um, Jonathan Tave saying, geez, I don't really like that trade, you know, he came on the record and he's like, hey, I understand what Chicago is trying to do. But it's never it's never a great sign when the captain's like, hey, I think there was a lot of potential left there. Now, Frank Nazar, great. He just scored his first goal in the NCAA. He's going to be a very good player. But I think the Canadians put their hands on what you'd almost call a unicorn um, um, turkey. You know, tall, good speed, great in transition. And I want to talk about that in transition because someone mentioned to me on Twitter one of the things I noticed when Doc came into camp was that he was keeping the puck really far away from his body. I don't know why, but it was just for one game or two, and it kind of caught me off guard. Since then, he's been keeping it a little tighter. Some people are saying his stick is too long. Let's talk about that. What is the ideal? It used to be chin, right? Go to your chin. That was it. Yeah, yeah. You like you know if you're if, like let's go back old school. Like there there was nothing there was nothing to the chin if you're talking Howie Meeker days. Oh and, God, yeah. you know like we're old school. But uh, and a great example is when 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 Subi came out of junior when he was in Belleville, mm -hmm. his his stick was like uh, it was like four inches under his chin, and then so in a in a, a ten to eleven year period, him and I were working together and we took his stick from and this is just him as an individual and then I'll get to what a rule of thumb is, mm -hmm. but now Subban's stick is up here, <laughs> so he started with it in junior. He didn't change height. Yeah. He didn't grow. You know, so his stick grew with him. He tried things, and it was it was about it was about what what you want to focus on the most and make your tool 
fit that the best for you. In my case, in my case, I feel like everything in hockey should end in a shot, some form of a shot. Yep. Unless you get your toilet knocked off the puck, but but it should end in a shot. So the shot should be best for you. So wherever that stick height is. Now my rule of thumb is this: when your skates are on, I encourage players to have it like minimum just above the chin, yeah. to kind of yeah. like maximum at the, somewhere in here, bridge of the nose. And again, posture comes into play. You know, if these guys are bent over at the hips when they skate, then the stick needs to be a little bit shorter so it's not going in their pocket. You know, like their hands still have the maneuverability and the ability to to do the motion patterns they need to without crossing them over. And you're a little bit, you know, if you're a little bit taller, mm -hmm. if your posture is a little bit taller, you're bent at the knees, but your hips are neutral instead of them being way back, then that stick height's got to match. And the lie is, is a huge critical concern as well, as long as it's flat on the ice. So, and some players don't even know. Some players are like, hey, man, I'll just use a, a P92 with a five lie and an 85 flex, and that's all I need. <laughs> but it might not be right for them. Yeah, well, some players, same thing with, I mean, they talked about your Slavkovsky's stick. They're saying it may be a little bit too long. Um, so you're saying there is no rule of thumb that it really, it's an individual thing, right? Yeah, it's a, it's an individual thing, but I encourage players when their skates are on uh, to have it somewhere in between the, you know, just above their chin. Okay, so that's much higher than, it, than the rule of thumb used to be back in the day then. Yeah. It, is that because of flex thing. or again, I know you talked about posture and all that, but is that just to take more advantage of the actual equipment? Well, I think, I think it's all about the, the technique. Um, like, like think of this, you can have, you could have 10 sticks that are this tall and they have 10 different flexes. Yeah. So, so, so it doesn't like you, everything can change. It doesn't matter how tall the stick is where it's going to change the flex. And I'm talking about individuals that are fully grown. Yeah. You know, we're talking about pros. So, you know, so, so different. should young kids then you're bringing your kid into hockey, should they be having those? I see kids with oversized sticks all the time at rinks. Yeah, no, you're right. They should younger kids. They, the stick needs to grow with them. Okay. And so, so to me, it should be a little bit shorter for them to handle that. And, as, and that's the thing. You know, you have a 12-year-old who's who eats Jolly Green Giant beans for dinner every day. Exactly. And, yeah. he's, and, he's really, and you know how they have growth spurts and growth patterns? Well, I was going to say, it's a lot more expensive to buy a new stick every few months nowadays. Oh, man. It's, you know, and I thank God for sponsors. Yeah. You know, like, but, but, but you're right. You know, like some of these uh, kids, they don't realize that they're just using it all the time, but they've grown an inch and a half over the season. They've kept the same stick. And now they're like, why is it so short? Like I'm using a shorter stick, but I like it because it's what they've been using. But yeah. in actual fact, the stick should grow with them. They okay. should, it, it should, it's kind of like mimicking what they're doing. All right. So for those that are just joining us, we're here with Tim Turk, a uh, shooting coach. We just went through the list, but he's, you know, he's worked with half the guys that play today, Connor Bedock, Kirby Doc, all those fun people. The game, great games, Montreal Canadiens 6-2. Fantastic stories in this game. We had, unfortunately, though, Arbor Jackeye, who, great story himself. Uh, it looks like he has injured his shoulder, so uh, he might be out of action for a little while. And we have, today, we saw, it's great because we just spoke about effort, but two guys that worked their asses off um, to get up from the AHL to the NHL, one being Rafael Hervé-Pinard. But the other one, Tim, I want to ask you about this because he... Can you remember a guy scoring his first goal in the NHL at 31 years old, like Alex Belzil did? Because I can't remember. I mean, I, I forget a lot. But going back to the 80s, I can't think of a single NHL player who scored his first goal at 31 years old. The first goal of the game, the first goal, you know, like, um, and and you know what? He, 
with and I, I credit I credit that opportunity to Pez, you know. But yeah. He, oh, yeah. He's been working really hard lately, Pezzetto. Yeah. Yeah, but he had to he had to elevate the puck. He got it far down, like in the goalie saw it coming. Yeah. And his hands moved so quickly, like hand speed equals puck speed. Mm -hmm. that, the goalie didn't have a chance on that. So I, you know what? I, who was the last guy? That, I don't even know. I, I, I can't think of someone that scored that old. Honestly, it's uh. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's funny. I say that old. I'm I'm almost ten years older than him. But uh, uh you know, what, what was great to me is that when we talk about perseverance, this is a guy who. When he joined um, Laval, actually Hamilton, back in the day, the Hamilton Bulldogs, when they were owned by Michael Andelhauser and they were the Canadians' AHL team, he got a concussion. He went back uh, to the ECHL. He played in Gwinnett. He played in all these southern, you know, United States places where there was maybe four people that show up. He ended up being a healthy scratch for the Alaska Aces. His coach at the time was John Werblowski, who, uh, you know, he's a pretty, he coached the Ontario Ring and the women's um, national team. And then he almost gave up because he thought, geez, like, where am I getting here? I'm 26 years old. I'm in the ECHL and I'm scratched. Now he makes his mark in the NHL. To me, there's so few better stories than that in the NHL. I know Connor McDavid is a great player and Cole Caulfield scores a lot of goals. But seeing a guy like Alex Belzil get his moment, it's heartwarming. It's just, it's what hockey's all about. 100%. And he deserves that. He deserves that. Like, Works hard. I, I, I bet. Oh, geez, I, I bet a coconut chocolate bar is probably on the ice with him in Hamilton. Guaranteed. But you, you have know, a what, sorry? You know, uh, I bet you a coconut chocolate bar, I probably worked with him. When okay, that's what I Hamilton. thought you said. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? I hate here. coconut chocolate bars. I'll send that to you. But uh... that's, why, that's why I bet him, because if I lose, then I don't care. <laughs> there but, you go, smart man. He, you got good taste. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, the heat, he, right now, the guy, the guy should be throwing beers oh, in yeah. his... You could tell you know, his, like, his, his his teammates were more excited than he was. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like in and that that bring. If you want a flashback, flashback to a a player that hadn't gotten a goal in a long time. You know who I'm talking was about. Was it when back back in the Habs days, the little teenie guy, Scott Gomez? Was, little, <laughs> no, no, no. The little teeny defenseman that went. Oh, Victor Mete, and you've worked with Victor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, remember, yeah. He was you know what, set, Victor? I just got to say, as an aside, he's one of the nicest people I've ever met. He's a genuinely a good guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But good, you know, good, good on, good on, Brazil. Like he, I, I feel like I, I want him to keep going. I, like yeah, keep it, just keep it going. You know, whether you're producing points or you're scoring goals or, you know, like in in the last time, the last time, I, I don't know. I think the rules are if you shoot a puck, mm. it hits the goalie and it goes to your teammate and your teammate puts it in. Does the shooter get a point, Doomy? It depends on the guy scoring it that's 100 feet up in the, in the rafters there working for NHL.com, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, by, my logic is if, if there's no, if the, no one controlled it, it's a rebound, that should be a, that should be a point. That should be a point. Yeah. Exactly. So, so we want these, we want these kids, to, and I call them kids because they're kids to us, but mm -hmm. we want them to keep shooting. Just get, get the puck to the net. And then, you know, in my opinion, I feel like scoring goals isn't too, complicated everyone just got to go to a certain area to get it done they just gotta they gotta hire a tim turk to get it done that's uh that's the clear <laughs> yeah. all right so i know there's a lot of people that are probably excited about the superb owl uh competition that's going up we obviously have kansas city versus the birds i i have no favorite i watch the cfl personally because it's it's like watching junior hockey it's craziness um uh, before we wrap up here tim 
let's talk about this Connor Bedard uh, phenom a little bit. Is I, I've seen him play. I've heard it from everyone. You've worked with him one-on-one. Is the hype, like we're talking generational hype. This is more hype than we saw for Connor McDavid, more than Sidney Crosby, more than when Malkin and Ovechkin came in. Is it justified? You've seen him up close. Is it justified? Yeah, 100%. You know, his the, the specialty is, you know, when, when he releases a puck, um, nine nine times out of ten or ninety plus percent of the time when players shoot to me, mm-hmm. uh, lefties bring the puck in towards the right. Like yeah. you know, like say Matthews is a lefty, so he'll bring it inward, and and righties bring it inward. And so what Bernard does special is when that puck comes inward, there's certain angles that yeah. it comes in at, and it's different for everybody. Like I said, players like fingerprints. What Bernard does. A little bit different from Matthews is is he brings it in laterally. So it's straight in. It's not coming in on an angle and then shot. It's coming straight okay, to Okay, I understand body. what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a it's a complete lateral. Well, that changes the, com- the angle of attack completely. Exactly. And then if you can get the goalie to, to set or shift onto one side or displace their hip to one area, you know, with a little thing like that, then you, then you, you got him. And he does it almost every time. I every time I speak to you, Tim, I learn a lot. And honestly, because it's 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 so easy for us to say, "What well, just take a shot or do this or do that?" But there's so much more that goes into it. But when it comes down to it, for these guys to be the experts, it's it's practice, right? I know it sounds pretty darn cheesy, but it's getting an expert and practice, 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 right? Yeah. Well, how do you get good at something? You gotta repeat, right? And, you and cheat then if it's it. something, <laughs> yep, yeah, ex- exactly. But yeah, man, I, I, I can't thank you enough for having me here. I, the, the fans are loving it in the chat, Tim, because it's stuff that we never hear. We honestly never hear it. And, and before we go, I want to know, who is the most fun guy you've worked with in your career? The most fun guy? Fun, yeah. Well, you know what? Like, I'm going to, I'm going it's, to, it's an ex-player. And uh, I'm, he, used to, he used to be an associate coach with the Habs, and he's now an associate coach in Calgary. And that the most, like him, when it comes to, applying things to the players and trusting what you do. He's the most fun guy that I've worked with as a coach, but player wise, yeah. uh, I, I gotta, I gotta revert to number 11, man. Brennan Gallagher. Just, yeah. Oh, like he's, that's the kid that I've worked with the longest. And he's like, he just, he is such a great example. He makes me better. You know, like he's, he's, he's constantly challenging everyone to say, Hey, like, well, well not just, okay, I'll do it, but why? Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me why I need to try that, and how it's going to benefit me. And if it feels okay, I'll apply it and I'll do it like you just said. Practice, practice, practice it. You know, like, and that's one individual that is a really good guy, and he's a fun guy too. He's, he, you know, he's serious when he needs to be, but then there's some some funny stuff. And you know, it's funny because my my personal attitude is when I see somebody, I'm a I'm a bear hug guy. Yeah, you know, how's it going? You know, and Gallagher's not like that, unless it's me. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, okay, okay, Turkey. I guess we're hugging. You know, like like that. All right. Come well, on. I mean, you helped them become it. one of the best five-on-five goal scorers in NHL history at one point. There, you know. So I guess, I guess, you know, you get a hug or two. Yeah, yeah, he's it. So it, it would be Gally. Gally, Gally would be one of the funniest yeah. and, guys. And, you know, I spoke to him a little bit before the season. I know that he was so excited because he was finally 100% healthy. So it's, it's just, I know it's one of the most frustrating things for a guy that's, his whole life is hockey to be on the sidelines. But as Tim says, he's never going to give up. Like this guy, heart and soul, and he'll never stop. So I'm excited to see, hopefully, 
at one point, and I love Brendan Gallagher, but you can't allow him to decide when he comes back on the ice because he'd come back missing an arm. He'd come back, you know, it's just a flesh wound. Uh, so let him heal. You know, he's almost too tough for his own good, and then and then see what they can do. But in the meantime, let's. I'm gonna get a prediction for you, Kirby Doc. How many goals is he at this year? The I, don't, I forget. I didn't even check. Either way, he's got five. Does he have five goals now? Kirby Doc. Uh, well, he, he, he. I'm gonna real quick here, just because I know he already yeah. beat his career best. So are, is he at 15? What is he at total? 17? I don't know. We're gonna see. The chat's gonna. Okay, so he has 12, 12, 23, 35. So 35 points. When does does he have the potential? Let's say next year to to hit a 25 goal plateau or 30 goals. It's a lot. That's a big he, jump. That's a big jump, but you know the potential's there, the upside's there. It's gonna, I think that's gonna boil down to configuration, usage, yeah, opinion. yeah. You know, usage, configuration, stuff like that. But he has the potential to do it. He can be. He, I, I think I'll go out on the limb. I don't do too much, but I mean, I think he could be a a consistent twenty goal scorer, which is a big 20. deal. That's that's yeah, it's a do. big deal. He, yeah, he can do that for sure. Like, and but you said, like you said, it's it's usage and configuration and who he's playing with and stuff like that. Well, I think the one thing we've noticed, and speaking about Brendan Gallagher, what he used to do is that any line he was on, that line magically became better. Kirby Dog's doing the exact same thing now. Any line that he's on uh, magically becomes better. So I think that's been just such a fantastic trade. And and you know what? He just seems like such a good guy. So I'm happy. That story about uh, when he got uh, traded was fantastic there, Turkey. I'm glad to hear that he's excited about Montreal because, you know, it can be a little intimidating. But uh, we love our heroes over here. So if he can play the hero, hey, he's going to have yeah. a nice long career. Oh, he will. I know he will. Good kid. All right. So, oh, yes. Thank you very much. I got reminded by um, Kay in the chat, Paper Dolls, because I'm, I'm so old. But you have to like and <laughs> you have to like and subscribe and all that fun stuff. And uh, just show your support for Tim, who I think we all learned a lot here. And I think, Tim, at one point, if, if teaching in schools was this entertaining and had to do with hockey... I wouldn't have skipped half my classes. I would have gone to some of my <laughs> classes, okay? I mean, I know the 90s were fun, but, you know. <laughs> Anyhow, thank you very, very much, Tim. Honestly, I appreciate it. Where can uh, people find you? And, and let's say an NHL team is watching right now, and they say, we need a guy like Kirby Doc. How can they uh, reach you? Oh, everybody knows me at the yeah. NHL level. It's, I'm blessed with that. No, but uh, the good point, uh, TimTurkHockey.com. And, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to build up a plat plateau uh, on Instagram too, guys, and, so go there, do a like and a follow, and mm -hmm. uh, send me a message. I'll get back to you. Might not be right away, but I get back to everybody, man. I appreciate you having me do me. This is such a great, great thing to provide information to everybody mm -hmm. and just talk shop. You know, it's in, and uh, I'll be here anytime for you. Yeah, well, I'm telling you right now, the chat, as Claire's just saying, a bunch of them are like, wow, this has been extremely. And you know what's funny? When I brought, when I wrote that for the uh, NHL.com when I was with the Canadians, I rarely got feedback on any of my articles, and it's not because they're bad. It's just, you know, it's a big machine. I had about 50 people that came and said, that little article you wrote about Suzuki and Caulfield shooting, that was amazing. And I said, well, I, I basically just wrote what Tim told me, you know. So I thank you for making me look much smarter than I am, Tim. Much appreciated. We'll be back after game over, after the next game. Thanks to everyone in the chat. We, we love you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. And again... To our guest, Tim Turk, hockey guru. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time, Tim. Thank you very much, Doomy. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. See All you later, best, everybody. Guys. All the best, everybody. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction.